We are in a, a series called Seasons, and this is week four, and we've talked about different seasons of life that we go through. The whole premise of this is, is that we go through seasons of life, and that's just the way our life is. We have ups and we have downs, and, and sometimes it feels really bad, sometimes it feels really good, but God, it has a purpose in it all, and he wants us to grow through it, right? Okay, so today we're going to be talking about a season of temptation. A season of temptation, and we all go through this. I heard a story recently of a husband and a wife who, uh, they had a spending problem, okay? And they spent so much money, they wasted their money, they would often have their little budget meetings around their kitchen table and realize that they just, they spent way too much money. I see some of y'all are like, actually, uh, you know what I'm talking about right now uh, by the looks on your faces. And, and they just decided that, you know what, we got to get our finances under control. So together, they decided to really buckle down, and they wanted to incorporate God into it. And so they said, we're going to adopt the verse, you know, whenever Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You know, I don't want that temptation. Just get behind me. And they said, that's what we're going to do. Anytime we feel a need to spend, we're just going to say, get behind me, Satan. And we're just going to trust God that he's going to give us what we need to get through it. And so they did. And weeks went by. Everything was going good. They actually started to see some savings in their savings account. And one day, the wife comes home, and she's got this pretty ornate looking box. And the husband says, what is that? And she just kind of has this look on her face like, oh no, you know, I have just messed everything up. And, and she says, it's a new dress. And he says, I don't remember seeing that in the budget. She said, it wasn't. And she opens it up and she says, but look at it. And he says, you know, this kind of goes against everything that we said. Why didn't, why didn't you use the, the scripture we talked about and say, get behind me, Satan? And she said, I did. But then Satan said, it looks great from back here. Go ahead and buy it. Temptation, and that's the way it happens sometimes. But the, the, out of all the seasons that we go through, temptation can be the trickiest. And the reason is because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or you're famous or you're just an ordinary Joe. We all go through temptation. Everybody has to face temptation. There's no way around it. There's no evasive moves around it. There's no uh, smart thing you can do to get around temptation. You have to face it. I love how author Randy Butler puts it when he says, temptation is a beast that demands a face-to-face -face battle. It doesn't matter who you are today. If you're breathing air, then you're going to face temptation. Can I get an amen about that? Did you know that Jesus was tempted? Even Jesus, he, he was tempted. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this. It says, we do not have a high priest, high priest is Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in all things as we are. The verse goes on to say, yet he didn't sin. Even Jesus was tempted, but he, he did not sin. And so being tempted isn't the same as sin. So I just want to let you just kind of take a breath right now and just know that just because you're tempted to do something or you have this, this internal desire to go after something, that's not sin in and of itself. If it was, and that would mean Jesus would be a sinner. And we know that the Bible teaches very plainly that he wasn't, that he died a, a sinless death. And that's what makes that song that we just sang so powerful, that when he spilt his blood, it was sinless blood. And it was worthy of the sacrifice for our sin. So just because you're tempted... That doesn't mean you're sinning. Being tempted is not the same as sin. Why are we tempted? You ever wonder that? You ever just, just wonder, you know, why do I have to go through life being tempted? Wouldn't it be great if there was no temptation at all? I mean, just kind of imagine what that life would, would look like. Imagine if you could go through life and, and there never be a, a wrecked relationship 
Never be a wrecked marriage, a family never torn apart. Imagine what it would look like if there was no addiction whatsoever. The temptation just wasn't there. Imagine what it would look like if whatever unhealthy habit that you have, you know, and the, you fill in the blank, just imagine what it would look like if that wasn't there. If you never had to deal with that again, what would that look like? See, for most of us, we look at temptation as the thing that's tempting us. And that's kind of sometimes, uh, I would say sometimes, as far as we can see. It's about the thing that's tempting us. But let me, I just want to clue you in on temptation uh, this morning. There's an enemy out there whose sole desire is simply to do this, take you outside the will of God. That's really what it is. Behind temptation, there is an enemy. We know him as Satan. And his whole point, his sole purpose, his whole desire is to tempt you and bait you and to pull you outside of the will of God. See, God loves you, and Satan hates God. And because God loves you so much and has a plan for your life and eventually wants you to be with him in heaven and take you out of this world, that's a good thing, by the way. Satan can't stand that. And his whole, all he wants to do is to take you out of the will of God, and that's what he does when he's tempting you. He's, he's simply trying to get you to be disobedient, and, and he really doesn't care what it is. He doesn't care what he uses. In fact, he'll use just about anything. Because for him, it's not about the drug. It's not about the addiction. It's not about the lust that you may be going through. It's not about any type of unhealthy anger or any, any other thing that tempts you. It could be anything. He just simply wants you to fail. And that's really what is at the heart of temptation. And when you do, he leaves you to deal with the consequences by yourself. Have you ever given in to a temptation and just kind of wrecked maybe morally or, or any other way, and then Satan just comes alongside and helps you pick up the pieces? <laughs> I mean, you, you literally, the, the guilt, the shame, if anything, he capitalizes on that and tries to heap it up even more. He, he, he leaves you to deal with the consequences by yourself. And so when we talk about temptation, you need to know that you're not fighting a drug or you're not fighting some, some sort of unhealthy habit. You're fighting an enemy that wants to take you out. And it started long ago in the Garden of Eden when he tempted Adam and Eve, and they gave in. And they weren't the last ones to deal with it. All throughout the scriptures, we see people that struggle with evil, and, and, and they, they give in sometimes. In fact, there was a man in the New Testament named Paul. He understood temptation. And he says, I even knew the right thing to do, but sometimes I actually failed. Listen to what uh, Romans chapter 7 verse 15 says. This is a letter that he was writing to the Roman church, and he says this. I love how he starts it out. I don't really understand myself. You ever give in to temptation so much, and you're like, I don't even know why I did that. You know what I mean? I, I don't even know why that's, this is even a problem for me. He says, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. You ever get to the point where temptation becomes this reoccurring thing in your life, and you just hate it? it be, you're just like, I, I wish I did not have to deal with that. I wish this wouldn't be a struggle for me. And you've given in for the umpteenth time, and you told yourself last time that you'd never do that again, but it seems like we just, it just keeps coming up. And every time there's this pull inside of, inside of you, you don't know where it comes from, but it's there. And you, get, you fail again, maybe, and you're just, I hate this. Am I talking to anybody in the room today? Come on, I want to be real with us this morning. I know it's raining outside, but it doesn't have to rain in here, right? This is some tough thing, tough stuff. So... Let's get real. If Paul struggled, then we all do. 
I mean, this was a guy who was probably, arguably, closer to God than almost anybody could have been. You didn't get any closer than he did. He gave his entire life to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just started all these churches. Not only that, but he was beaten, he was tortured, he was put in prison for doing so. And yet still continued to do it. He, he did so much and had so much, went through so much trial because of the good things that he did. Some of his trials would make the hard things we go through look like a carnival. But yet he still continued to plow through it. And if he struggled with temptation, then we all do. We all do. Now, he's not giving us a license to sin. He's not giving us a license to fail. In fact, in this same letter to the Roman church, he said that, does this mean we can go on sinning? He said, of course not. He said, Jesus and what he did for us and, and the power that we have in him, it gives us power over the pull of sin in our life if we'll attach ourselves to it. The power of God in our life and ask him in, into our lives. So how do we fight it? How do we fight temptation? Now, we probably all asked ourselves that at one time or another. How do we get through temptation in a way that's healthy for us? Well, there are several different ways we're going to talk about it. And I want to uh, say five things, and I want you to write them down if you can. The first one is this. We've got to anticipate. We've got to anticipate it. We've got to anticipate sin. How many of you remember the movie Groundhog's Day? You remember that? Wasn't that hilarious? It's about this guy, if you've never seen it. He wakes up every single day, and it's the same day over and over again, Groundhog's Day. And he meets the same people. They say the same things, and he keeps countless days he wakes up like this. And he gets so good at anticipating what's going to happen, he just effortlessly strolls through the day. He avoids confrontation. He avoids all these accidents. He even learns everyone's name around him in this little diner, and he knows all, he memorizes their backstory. So when he goes in, it seems like it's for the first time for everybody else, but he anticipates it all. Um, he even learns a foreign language. He learns to play the piano. It, it's pretty amazing, but why? It, because he got really good at anticipating what the day would hold. Now, let's get honest. We can anticipate the things in our lives that tempt us, you want to know why? Because for most of us, the temptations that we face aren't the first time that we've had to go through them. In other words, they come around, around again and again, and we pretty much know what it's going to be that we struggle with. You didn't wake up this morning with an unhealthy addiction to negativity and criticism. You didn't wake up last Tuesday with an unhealthy urge to criticize your spouse. <laughs> you didn't wake up Monday with this, with this lust problem. It, it, these things are secular. They come around again and again. You fill in the blank with whatever it is that, that you struggle with. The problem is, is that we tend to close our eyes to it and just pretend like it's not there. For a lot of us, because we're just, we don't want to deal with it, we just wish it would have never happened. Maybe for some of us, it's embarrassing, and we just, we don't, so we tune out, and we're wired as human beings to avoid pain. We're wired that way. So what do we do when something causes us grief or shame or guilt, we have a strong tendency to push it under the rug. But the fact is, is if we would open our eyes and look, we could actually see it coming. Did you know that? Whenever I was in my early 20s, I, I drove a Chevy S10 pickup. I loved that thing. And I would drive it, and I was kind of grew up uh, sort of in the country, and I was drove a lot of back roads. And one night driving, all of a sudden, my headlights just went off, and I couldn't see a thing. Come to find out later, it was a wiring issue. Um, but I couldn't see anything. All of a sudden, I'm driving, and all of a sudden, pitch black. All of a sudden, I can't see where I'm going. In one minute, I can see perfectly clear. I'm able to turn. I'm able to see the, the things that are coming my way. And then the next minute, I'm, I'm in the dark. And I can't tell if I'm headed on the right course or if I'm headed for a tree. 
Now, I figured later the, the, the fix was just to toggle it on and off, and then that would, that would fix it. The lights came back on. But what would have happened if I just left the lights off? You tell me. I'd, yeah. Wrecking is inevitable. It, it was a certainty. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. What's the first word there? Come on, say it together. He says, watch, open your eyes and look. Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. In other words, turn on the lights because the fact is, is that you can. The fact is, is that you can see it coming. Satan doesn't really have anything new under the sun. In fact, he does the same things over and over again in your life. Want to know why? Because he knows it works. And he focuses on the areas in your life that you're weak on. And he just, he zones in on them. Now, you may see him coming one time and he may try to come at it from a different way. But it's, it's pretty much the same thing over and over again. He, he, he focuses on the weak areas of your life because he knows that it works. And Jesus says, you know what? It's as simple as this. Open your eyes and look. Open your eyes and watch. You, you have the, the, the power to see what's coming. And when we can do that, we can do the second thing. That's this. Ask God for help. How often do we just leave God out of it? You know, we just try to stumble through life. But here's the good news. God is available 24-7. 24 7 24 hours a day seven days a week he's always ready and willing to hear your needs and so if that's true why don't we use them why why don't we sometimes we just we just don't i can give say a couple reasons why we don't first one is maybe we don't want his help and that sounds really weird to say but let's just let's face it we we know times that some things are wrong we know the fallout is going to be horrible but the fact is is that we really want to do it don't we? I mean, it wouldn't be a temptation if we didn't, right? We, we really want to do it. And so in the moment, we just, we don't want God's help. Maybe another reason we don't ask for God's help is because we're embarrassed. It's, we've done this thing over and over again. We failed again and again. And we just, it's like our conversation is like, it's me again. God, I failed again. And we're just, I, I don't want to come to you right now. I know you're tired of me. Let me tell you something. God's patience with you never runs out. He's not like other people in your life. He's not like maybe some of our parents that kind of had it and lost it, you know. God's patience with you never runs out. You can go to him for help as many times as you want, 200 times a day if that's what it takes. And you, you may ask, God, how can you be so patient with me? I've failed so many times. How can you be so patient with me? It's because, listen to me, because a lot of people think that he's just so far off, he doesn't understand you. He understands what you're going through. He gets it. Listen, we're going to read that scripture from Hebrews again. Chapter 4, verse 15. It says, we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are. That means that Jesus, the part of the Godhead that was human at one time, when you come to him and you're failing and you're so tempted and you ask him for help, Jesus is the one that looks at you and goes, I get it. I get that. I, I understand. And it, it means something different when we go to God for help and we understand that we are coming to a God who understands and is, is, is close to us because he went through the same Listen, I love Lamentations along with that. Chapter 3, starting with verse 22, it says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. So when you come to him, his, his faithfulness and his love is never going to stop. He says his mercies never cease. 
great is his faithfulness and his mercies begin afresh each morning. Every day when you get up, it's like a whole new fresh batch of mercy and love that he just pours over your life if you'll reach out for it. You want to know why his mercies are new every morning? I asked him that question one time and it was answered. You know why? Because we need it. We need it. We need new mercy every single day. Why? Because we still struggle every single day in certain areas, in certain things. I love Rick Warren says that any human being is capable of any sin given the right set of circumstances. How many of you can attest to that? I know I can. No one is immune. But when we go to God for help, he's saying he will be there with new love and new mercy. And not only that, but he understands exactly what you're going through. Exactly. Number three, here we go. Get help from a friend. How do we fight temptation? We get help from a friend. Why? Because we need to. And this is embarrassing sometimes. It's tough. And if I were to ask you who in this room is perfect, nobody would raise their hand, would they? Why? Because we know it's ridiculous to think that anybody is perfect, yet we're ashamed because we're not. We're ashamed to go to somebody for help because we have a problem or we have an issue. We're ashamed because it's embarrassing, because a lot of times we're just human beings. We put on a front, and we act like everything's normal and perfect, and so what are they going to think about me if they know that I have this problem? What is somebody going to think about me if they know that I'm not perfect? What, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. A lot of times, you're not the only one that's going through it that's in your small circle of influence. Whatever it is, I, I promise you, there's somebody in your life that understands to a T. Jesus died for two kind of relationships, yours and God's and yours and other people's. So use it. He, he died so that we could be connected together as the church. When you invite somebody into your struggle, a few things happen. The obvious thing is that you have accountability. You have somebody that you can call. You have somebody that can call you about whatever it is that you're facing, whatever temptation is, is pressing into your life. You have somebody that, that can kind of get in there with you and help keep you accountable. It also gives you a sense of control. Do you know that Satan wants you to struggle alone? And a lot of times when, it, when we deal with temptation and we do it ourselves and we keep it hidden and there's nobody else that knows, there's this control over us. And we feel so burdened and we feel like we, we can't deal with it. by uh, It's just we're kind of subject to the thing, whatever it is. I, I kind of walk my day hoping that it doesn't creep around the corner, whatever it is. But when you invite somebody into that, there is all of a sudden the, the situation that seemed out of control, it somehow seems doable. Another thing that it does when you bring somebody into the mix is it relieves stress. Let's just face it. For some of us that have been dealing with it over and over again, whatever that temptation is, it's stressful. But if, if you're playing tug of war with this huge person that you know you're not going to win against, wouldn't you rather have somebody with you pulling with you? Or would you rather do it by yourself? Come on, talk to me this morning. Come on, it's simple. We want someone to help. So in, in a very clear sense, it just simply relieves stress. So get help from a friend. Put somebody else in your life. Put somebody else into the mix that can help you. Now, a few things when you do this, make sure it's somebody that you can trust. Don't, don't just go grab the first person you see and say, listen, I need to tell you about this deep, dark secret and the struggle <laughs> that I have. Make sure it's somebody that is going to hold the information that you give them just as precious as the way you see it. Because let's, let's face it, the struggle that we go through, that's, that's important information. We hold it as precious. We guard it. And so you want to make sure that you can trust whoever it is that you tell. The, you trust the fact that they're going to hold that information just as precious. Secondly, get somebody who understands. 
It's, it's better to get somebody who has been through that same thing, preferably somebody who has overcome it and a little bit further along, because they're going to be able to speak into your situation with more intricacy than somebody who hasn't been through it. Somebody else, a good God-fearing Christian person, they can speak into it generally, and, and if that's all you have, then that's fine. But if there is somebody in your life who has been through it that you trust, they're going to be able to speak to you in a different way. Get somebody that, that understands, maybe that's been through it. And thirdly, get somebody who will pray. Get somebody who will pray and go to war for you in prayer. Somebody that listens to your issues, that's one thing, and that's good. It's good to have an ear. But get somebody who's going to do something with that information and call on the Most High God, the one that's capable of actually coming into your life and fighting for you. James chapter 5, verse 16 Listen to what he tells the church to do. He says, admit your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And that's really the ultimate goal, right? We don't want to focus on this stuff and just keep going through it and, and never really have a resolution. We, we invite somebody in so that we can eventually be healed. We want to be on the other side of this. So bring somebody in, get help from a friend. Number four, this one may seem like common sense, but avoid tempting situations. It does seem like common sense, doesn't it? But yet it's amazing how much we struggle with it sometimes. I heard Pastor Jim say, if you hang around a barbershop long enough, eventually you're going to get a haircut. And it's the same way with your thought life. What we think about continually, we will do eventually. If we constantly are entertaining thoughts in our head and, and circumstances, it's only natural to eventually fail. It's only natural to eventually move our actions towards those things. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16. It says, a wise man is cautious. Say cautious. Come on, say it loud. Cautious. That means I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm trying to be aware. He, he turns away from evil. But a fool, that's, some, that's a strong word right here. A fool is arrogant and careless. And we can so easily just kind of walk into situations thinking, well, I feel strong today. You know what I mean? Anybody ever do that? I, I feel like I can handle it today, only to find out that you get there and all of a sudden you're trapped. You, you have a moment. I don't care what the temptation is, you, even if it's just for a second, you have a moment where you can think clearly and you can decide, I'm going to avoid that. I'm, I'm not going to walk down that road, only to find out that when you do walk away, you've avoided the whole thing altogether. But the minute you think you can do it by yourself, the minute you think that that temptation is going to be any less, any less strong just because you feel a little different today, you, you're going to walk into that thing and you're going to find out quickly that it'll overtake you long before you overtake it. You know the best way to avoid a punch is don't be there. <laughs> don't be there for the fight. We've got to avoid tempting situations. Now, it really just comes down to being honest with yourself. That's the best gift you can give yourself is some good old-fashioned self-awareness. What tempts you? Ask yourself the question, what is it that tempts me? What is it? Name it. Put it on paper and then hide it, unless it's that person that you invited into your life. But name it. Look at it face to face. Where am I the most tempted? What place is it? When am I the most tempted? Is it a certain time of the day? Is it a certain time of the year? Is it with certain people? Know what it is. It's, it's, it's hard to anticipate and avoid it whenever you're not honest with yourself about what it actually is that tempts you. A friend of mine had a problem with alcohol a few years ago, and he came from a long line of people in his family that abused alcohol. And he told me, he said, Pastor Ryan, he said, I want to kick this. 
I said, all right. I said, well, when are you the most tempted? He kind of scratched his head for a minute, and he said, well, if, if I think about it, he said, I'm always getting beer on the way home from work. And I said, really? I said, why? He says, because I'm tired, he said, and I've worked all day, and I want to go home, and I want to relax and chill out and put back a six-pack and pass out. I, and I'm just being honest. And I said, okay. I said, you want to kick it? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, don't go that way home anymore. <laughs> he said, okay. He said, every time I pass the store, I said, don't go that home any, Don't go that way home. Pick a different way. And so we did, and he ended up doing it anyway. And I said, all right. I said, that was good. I said, so here's what you're going to do. I said, whenever you leave work, I said, I want you to go a different way. I said, this time I want you to call me. I said, I will talk to you. We don't have to talk about anything specific, but I'll talk to you all the way home. So he did it, and he avoided the beer. He avoided the store. And then he told me, the, uh, again, he said, every time I'm in the grocery store and I pass the beer aisle, I said, man, I said, listen to me. I said, if you have to get somebody else to do your grocery shopping for you, I said, you avoid it at all costs. I said, don't get whatever's next to the beer. I said, go, go get something else, and if you've got, I will go with you, and we will grocery shop to get whatever it takes. You avoid the situation. Now, understand, his circumstances were, were, were very, they were deep. They were extreme. You may not be there, but they may be for you. Whatever you have to do to avoid the situation, do it. There's nothing too far, far-fetched, nothing too crazy that, that you, you can do that, that's going to be crazier than giving in to the temptation and failing again. Do whatever it has, what has to be done. Start somewhere. There's a pastor um, out in Oklahoma, a pastor of a mega church. I don't know how many campuses they have, thousands and thousands upon thousands of people. And th this guy says this. He said, he said, how crazy would it be, he said, if I fell into moral failure? He said, how much hurt would that cause all the thousands of people that serve under me? He said, it's too much for me to bear. So you know what he did? He started putting some things in place in his life. This is a guy who travels all over the world. He says, I never travel alone anymore. I'm, there's always going to be somebody there to vouch for me. He says, I don't have any access to social media on my phone. Is it because he's just so tempted? He said, no, I'm just not going to find out. There, there's, there's software on his computer and his phone that reports all the sites he's visited, visited to his accountability partner. Why? Because he is trying to stop the punch before it ever even happens. He is avoiding the situation. And I want you to be honest with yourself about what it is that tempts me, where it is that tempts me, and who it is that tempts me. And to begin, begin putting things in your life, practices in your life, boundaries in your life to keep yourself from it. I can promise you the outcome of that is so much greater and so much better than failing. There are certain situations that you know tempt you. And no matter how tempting the situation is, you always have that moment where you, where you think clear and you can say, okay, I'm going to go the other way. Take advantage of it. Use it to get out of there. The fifth thing that we can fight temptation with, this is the last one, speak God's word. Speak God's word. Now, that might sound strange. Okay, how do I speak God's word? How do I quote the Bible and avoid temptation. I, I want to take you through a couple of scriptures here, and I want to kind of lead you somewhere. In John chapter 6, verse 29, Jesus says this. He says, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. He says, out of, this is it. This is what God wants from you. Believe. Say believe. believe. Believe in the one that he has sent. Now, if we believe in Jesus, does that also not include believing that he is who he said he was? Does it not also include believing in what he did? And in the Bible, we have a record 
of a lot of things that Jesus did. And you know what he did when he was tempted on earth? He spoke God's word. Now, I love this because Jesus was God. He was God in the flesh. He did lots of miracles. This guy could have shot lightning bolts out of his fingers and told the devil to go somewhere. You know what I'm saying? He, 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 could, he could have called down a host of, of warrior angels to come down and fight on his behalf and say, get out of here. I don't want to deal with you. But that's not what he did. He simply responded and said, this is what God's word says. And he was being tempted whenever he was fasting for 40 days. Now, you've got to understand, some of us miss breakfast, and we are just like out of our mind. He, 40 days, man. He is, he is tired. He is hungry. He is, he is ready to get something to eat, and Satan is pounding him. And don't you know that Satan will come to you when you're at your weakest? And this is what he did to Jesus because he knows the areas you're weak in. He knows the time of day. He knows the circumstances, and that's when he's going to press in. And Jesus simply said this, that's a lie. This is what God's word says. That's a lie. This is what God's word says. And it got him out of the bind every single time. It was good enough for Jesus. It was good enough for the psalm writer in Psalm 119 who asked the question, how can a young person stay pure? How many young people we got in here today? Yeah. <laughs> Man, Thursday night we had 70-year-olds be like, whoop, whoop. And I was like, it's just a number. It's just a number. And that's right. We're all young. But he said, how can a young person stay pure? He answers his own question by obeying your word. It all comes down to the word of God. Listen to verse 11. He says this, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There is a correlation of winning over temptation with the very words of God, the Bible, his spoken word to us. And if we can understand that it's, it's not about willpower, it's not about trying to do our best because guess what? We fail. That's what the human race did, and that's why Jesus had to pay such a high price, because we can't do it alone. We need something. We need the power of God in our life. And when you begin to speak the word of God, you, you, you take something that's so powerful and that's so anointed and that's so useful, that's so effective. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6 describes the word of God like a sword, a double-edged sword that can cut through. It says it's the sword of of the Spirit, the Word of God. But sometimes we don't, we don't use that. Sometimes we just we try to get through on willpower. And I just want to level with you here for a minute and just kind of get real. And I'm speaking for myself when I say this, so I don't want you to take this too hard. But you don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. Because if we did, we wouldn't fail time and time again. Every human being that's under the sound of my voice has willpower in their life. They do. And some of us can last an hour or two, whatever, within the temptation. Some of us can last months. And some of us can last years. Some of us can be sober for a year. And I'm not just talking about alcohol. I'm, I'm just sober withstanding the temptation. Some of us have that much willpower. We can just push through and push through and just fill our life with all kinds of things that keep us strong. But you know what? What I've realized about every human being and the willpower, no matter how much you have or don't have, you, we, you will always come back to one thing, failure, every time. Whether you last an hour or whether you last 10 years, willpower is not enough to get you through. It will always put you back to square one. And we realize then that we don't have what it takes and we need something, something that we don't have. Can you imagine a farmer trying to plow a field? Just imagine a big 50-acre field. 
and a farmer trying to plow it with a screwdriver. And he just goes down there and he starts, you know, plowing up that, that field and that dirt, trying to, trying to break it loose because they, they have huge machinery that does it now. You ever see them go through? And, and it's just massive, and they just take out huge hunks of dirt at a time with these big machines. But yet you can imagine a farmer on a 50-acre field taking a screwdriver and just kind of starting. And, and it doesn't take long before he gets maybe five or ten feet, and he's got blisters on his hands, and he's got pain going through his bones, and, and he's looking at it, and he's like looking how far he's got to go. And it doesn't take long before you look at him and you go, you don't have what it takes. You've got the wrong equipment. He needs help. He needs something that he doesn't have. And it's the same way with us whenever we try to face temptation without God. We try to do it by ourselves with the willpower that we have. We're like that farmer that just doesn't have the right stuff. And we end up back at square one again. Failure. Needing something. Needing help. And the pain and the blisters of doing just what little we could, and then we realize that we have so far to go, and our willpower really just doesn't get it. But I just got to tell you, when we reach out to God, He makes up for what we don't have. And we take these principles that we've learned today, and we begin to apply them and put them into action. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to find yourself overcoming that same temptation again and again and again. You, you come with your willpower. But you also come with your heart aimed at God, and he is going to make up the difference in your life. He will. He promises to. We have to be the ones, to, obviously, to make the decisions, but he makes up the lack in our life. And we find ourselves overcoming. We find ourselves growing because temptation isn't just an opportunity to fail in your life. Listen, because if you've given your life to God and you say, God, I want you to lead my life, then whatever comes in your life, God's allowing to happen in your life. And so temptation at that point doesn't become just an opportunity to fail. It becomes an opportunity to succeed. It becomes an opportunity to grow. And I just wonder how many people in this room would like to look at the struggle that they face and not see it as something that can overtake them, but they begin to look at every temptation. Maybe the same one that you were struggling with when you walked in here, and you can look at it in a new way because you have God's help now, and now this temptation becomes an opportunity for me to overcome. And we, we find that as the, as the days go by and as we overcome, we're going to be growing in character. We're going to be growing in wisdom. We're going to be growing in patience because we're, we're enduring one day after the next. And we wake up and we have deeper relationships with Christians because we've invited people into our struggle and, and we're sharing that and they're helping us. We have a deeper knowledge of God's word because we're in it and we're learning it. And it's going into our hearts as the psalmist said, I hid it in my heart so I wouldn't sin against you. And it's in there. We're just, we're growing. And you're going to be able to say eventually what a man in the Old Testament said after overcoming severe trial and temptation. He said this in Genesis 50, chapter 20. He says, you intended to harm me, but God, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. I'd love to see some testimonies of some people that said, I was, I was gunned for. I had a target on my back by Satan, but God. But God intended it for something else. Satan meant something for evil, but God turned around and made it something for good in my life. The things that I struggled with were eating me alive, guilt and shame, and I felt overcome by it. But God, how many of you want a testimony like that? But God helped me. And now what is being done in my life is for the good. What used to be 
guilt-ridden and shameful. Now God takes and turns it for good. Now what's being done in my life is something completely different. Can we pray together? Lord, I thank you for this, this day to hear your word. Lord, I thank you for, God, I just want to be bold, and I just want to thank you for the things that come into our life that give us the opportunity to grow. For some of us, that might feel weird right now because some of us are heavy with it. But, Lord, I believe your word. I believe what the Bible says. I don't just want to talk about it. I believe it. And I believe that there are people in this room right now that are struggling with some stuff. They're hurting over it. But, Holy Spirit, you promised that when we call on your name, that you would be there and that you would help us. And I just pray for wisdom right now, that we would take what we've learned today, take these principles and just marinate them in our minds so that when we walk out of here and that temptation shows itself that we can remember that, that we can anticipate it, that we can do all these things, that we, we can get help, that we can speak God's word. And Lord, you promise that you're going to be there to help us. I, I just pray for strength. I pray for encouragement. Lord, so that what the, the enemy intends for evil, God, that we can all have a testimony to watch what you do with these very things and turn them for our good. It's not wishful thinking. It's not cliche. I believe with my whole heart it's your word, and I believe you will come through. In Jesus' name, I pray. Can you say amen with me?